we're kicking off our series, as I've said, called Faith Full. How to grow and go in your faith. And why have we decided to create a brand new series for February called Faith Full? Well, our goal in this series is to inspire you to be full of faith. That is our one and only goal, to inspire you over these next three weeks to be full of faith. Because I don't know if you know this, but God has called you to be faithful. God has called us to be faithful in every area of our lives. And there's a difference between faithful and faithful. So faithful is being loyal or steadfast for a long period of time. And we want that for you as well. We want you to be faithful for a long period of time. It's important in your marriages, in your relationships, in the clubs that you're a part of, in your friendships. Being faithful, being loyal is important. But the thing that we want to focus on is to be faithful. And to have full faith is to have complete trust and confidence in God. That's what we want for you. Yes, we want you to be loyal and steadfast. But the point of this series is that you will have complete trust and confidence in God. And maybe you're floating around the question in your head right now as I'm talking about faith. How do I get to this faithful status? How do I become full of faith? Do I need to be a certain age? Do I need to be, uh, do I have to have gray hair? Do I have to have been a Christ follower for X amount of years? Do I need to pass an exam? How do I get to this standard from having faith to being full of faith? Do we, do we have to do all these things? You'll be thankful to know there is no exam at the end of this series. We're not going to give you a questionnaire out and you have to fill it out. And then you've got, you'll get your faithful badge and it'll be great. There is no exams unless you're in secondary school. There's always exams. But we don't need to do any of this. So how can we be faithful? So this series will encourage you, it will equip you, and it will empower you to live your life full of faith. And maybe you're in here today and you've said to yourself, well, he's talking a lot about faith. And I'm in this room right now and I have no faith. I don't want to have faith. I want nothing to do with faith. Or maybe you had faith and when the tank was full, you were at church all the time and you were loving life. But now your faith tank is a little bit empty. Or maybe you are in this place and you are full of faith. You're trusting God in every area of your life. We're believing that this series will be helpful to you, whether you find yourself on the full side of faith, the empty side of faith, or having no faith at all. So during this series, I want to encourage you, I want to ask you some questions, just to maybe spark your interest and start asking questions about how you can have faith in this world. And today's message is going to be entitled, Faith Comes by the Word of God. And if you want to follow today's notes, you can find them on the version Bible app. It is the Bible app that we use. It is incredible. So you can get your phone out now and you can scan the QR code and it will take you to our, our page on the version Bible app. And if you want, you can make Lighthouse Church your home. So you can select Lighthouse Church, say, yes, I go there. And then once a week, just once a week, we send a push notification on a Sunday morning and if you click on that notification, you will find all my message notes from today. But if you don't have push notifications on or you don't want to do that, you can go onto the Version Bible app, click on more, click on events and a location. It will pick up your location and it will give you all my notes um, for today. So you can follow through and follow if that helps you. 
go along. Or you can save it. It's going to be up all week. You can read it again. But it would be helpful if you make Lighthouse Church your church. That push notification comes just before the service. And then you can click that and it makes your life a lot easier. But I want to throw out a question just to get us thinking this morning. Have you ever been given advice but ignored it? Just me? Have you ever been given advice and ignored it? Maybe you were given advice about a relationship, a college course, that job, that place, that thing. Maybe you've been sitting in a restaurant and you're like, that sounds amazing. I'm going to get that. And someone says, I wouldn't get it. It's not very good. And you've, you've got it anyway. And then it comes. It's not very good. And you're disappointed. Or maybe you started that relationship and someone was like, hey, red flag. Don't go there. Don't do that. But I'm in love. And you've got your rose-tinted glasses. But they're perfect. They're great for me. She's the one. He's the one. And people have tried to give you advice and you begin that relationship. That college course, hey, I want to go this way. I want to have this job. And I'd say our advice is maybe you go this way. And you think, I'd say, no, I just want to go to college and get them a degree and whatever that is. And you follow. Or maybe you're in that job that you thought was going to fulfill you. And it hasn't. And it's just a drain. Or going to that place. We all love going to travel. And it's like, you should stay at this place. You should eat here. All these travel recommendations. And sometimes we don't take that advice. Or that thing. What is that thing in your life? that someone tried to give you advice, but you ignored it. And the tension about advice is that it's only good when it's applied. Advice is only good when it's applied. When someone gives you advice about the relationship, travel recommendations, that college course, that thing that you're thinking about in your head, advice is only good when it's applied. That trip that you're going on, that advice that you were given, stay here, take this bus route, go here, go there, stay out of that area, that advice is only good if you follow it. That advice is only helpful when it's applied. And many of us have stories where we wish. We wish we didn't start that relationship. We wish we didn't start that brand new job. We wish that we had stayed out of that area. We wish we could go back in time and listen to that advice. We all have stories of it where someone tried to tell you some advice. We didn't listen to it. And we now have a story where we wish we could go back. And you know this, there's a difference between listening and hearing. You can listen to me or you can hear me this morning. And if you're married, you know this. You know the difference between listening and hearing. Maybe you've said this phrase before. Yes, honey, of course I heard you. Has anyone's husband ever done that? Wives give me a wave. Oh, wow. It's a lot of hands. I didn't think we would have that this morning. But maybe your frustration is that your husband listens to you, but is not hearing you. Guys, here's some advice, okay? I'm not married overly long, about seven years, okay? We've been dating for 12, coming up to 13 years. If a woman, your partner, says she's fine, okay, you're listening, and it's like, okay, she said, I've listened, that she is fine. What you should hear is she is not fine. Everything is not okay. You need to find out what is wrong. So there's a difference between listening, yes, I'm fine, 
but there's another thing to hear what she is trying to say. So write that down, take it home, apply that this week. And don't say things like, yes, honey, of course I heard you. And then you don't do what you said. And so often we ignore advice. Why? Because we think that we know better. I know where to go. I know what type of food I like to eat. I know what college course I want. I know what direction I want my future to go in. I know this person better than anyone else. So I'm going to start a relationship. And we often don't follow advice because we think we know better. There's pride within us that says, I don't need advice. I've got it. It's my life. It's my way. I'm going to do it my way. But advice is given in order to help guide us and protect us. And the older that we get, we realize that the advice our parents give us actually makes a lot of sense. When we're young and we're like, why are they being annoying? Why are they trying to control me? Why are they trying to, I want to be free. And then the older we get, we realize that the advice our parents give us was to guide us and to protect us. And if you're a parent in this room, you know that struggle. You give your children advice to guide them and protect them, but you're overprotective and you're controlling and whatever kids say to get back at you when you're trying to give them advice. But advice is given, why? To give us guidance and protect us. Whether it's in that relationship, whether it's something simple as travel recommendations, stay out of that area after this time, or go to, don't eat there because I got food poisoning, or do this or do that. Why? Because it guides us and protects us. But the bottom line is this, hearing advice is not the same as taking advice. We can hear advice all day long, but there's a difference from hearing advice and taking advice. And maybe you know someone and they come and they ask you for advice time after time, but they don't take your advice. And you feel like you're talking to a brick wall because there's a difference between hearing advice and taking advice. But what about when it comes to your faith? It's the same when people give you advice or take it on. There's a difference between listening and hearing. So a question I want to answer today is how can we get better at hearing what God says and applying what God says? How can we get better at hearing what God says and applying it? And maybe you're zoned out. Maybe you're like, I don't want that. I don't want to hear what God has to say. I don't want to apply what God has to say. I'm hoping and trusting that through this message that it will cause you to think that actually God has a better plan for your life than you even have for your own life. That you can see that God is working in your life and he wants a relationship with you. So over these next few moments, my prayer for you, that if you don't want anything to do with God, you don't want to hear him, you don't want to apply, I ask that you're open and through this message that you will maybe start to question some things and that will help you maybe take that first step in faith or maybe even just ask questions about faith. And we're going to jump into a verse found in Romans 10, verse 17. And it says, so then faith, everyone say faith. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So what, what does this all mean? What is Romans? What is these numbers? So what faith comes from hearing. So that's what we're looking at. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. But the context of this verse is the book of Romans is a book in the Bible that was wrote to a church in Rome. So a man called Paul, who hated people who had faith. So he went around killing people who had faith. 
And then this one moment he encountered Jesus, his life changed forever. And then he turned into a man full of faith. So he went from having no faith to being full of faith because of an encounter with Jesus. And my prayer for you today is if you're in here and you have no faith, that you would encounter Jesus today so that your life would never be the same, that you would discover your purpose today. You would discover that there is someone that loves you madly and deeply today, that someone out there, his name is Jesus, loves you today. And I pray that your life is forever changed after you encounter this man called Jesus. So we've got Paul. He's wrote this book to the, a church in Rome. He had no faith, encountered Jesus, and had faith. And now he's writing letters to churches to help them build up their faith. So Paul has been on this journey from no faith to a man full of faith. And he's saying, faith, the faith that I have, full of faith, comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So how do we do that? How do we become full of faith? Not just have faith, but how do we become full of faith? So when Jesus was on earth, we celebrated at Christmas. Jesus came to a manger. He was born. We all know that story. We all love Christmas. It's not long now, 10 months to go. We're getting there. Hold in. Get your Christmas tree ready. I love Christmas. And we've just celebrated Christmas, and we know Jesus came to earth. He was born. Um, but he lived just like us, like a man, had a job, had friends, had family. So he grew up, and he taught about the Word of God. And he went to synagogues, and he went to different places and taught the Bible. He taught the Word of God, the words that God had given him. And as he was teaching the Word of God, he used stories to illustrate his point. And one of these stories that he used is called the story of the wise and the foolish builder. So we're going to read this story in a minute. But Jesus used many stories to help his people, the people around him, understand what he was really talking about. So I'm going to do the same thing today and use Jesus's story as an example. So I've put out to you already this morning from Romans 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So how can I use a story? I'm going to use Jesus' story to help illustrate that point. So it's found in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49. And you can, again, follow the notes on the Bible app. So the first verse says this in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So Jesus has just preached one of his most famous messages that he ever preached called the Sermon on the Mount. And he has preached this message, and there's thousands of people in attendance. And we know that everyone who's listening to Jesus aren't going to agree with everything that he says. So there's two people in the crowd. There's the people that hear him and apply what he says. And there's the people that hear him and don't apply what he says. So he's starting off with this challenge. He was challenging the people. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, but don't apply what I did? So he's saying on their lips, Jesus was Lord, but their actions said otherwise. He's throwing out that challenge. So you, I've, you've just listened to me. I've given you this message. And now you're saying with your mouth, Jesus is amazing. He can do this. He is our Lord. But then with our actions, our actions don't reflect what our words are saying. What a challenge that Jesus is throwing out 
already. They've literally just finished listening to this message and he's given it to them already, saying, you say it with your mouth, but your actions are different. And we can get caught in this trap of becoming religious, that we say things that Jesus is, isn't Jesus incredible? Jesus can do this for your life. I love coming to church and we can talk the talk, but actually we don't live it out. A religion is a system of do's and don'ts and you have to do this and you go there and we do this and because it says so. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, it changes who we are. It changes our actions because we want to be more like him. And maybe your pushback is, but I don't want Jesus to change me. I don't want him to, I, don't, I want to be myself. But we know this if, in, if we're in a relationship who we're close to, they will rub off and you will want to please them and honor them because you love them. It's out of love that you change. Maybe you used to just take your clothes off and throw them on the chair. Has anyone got the chair in the house that you just threw all your clothes on? And then you get married, your wife moves in and the chair is not allowed anymore. And because you love her, you change. But so often when, when we say, oh, God can change your life, we sort of put buyers up and say, we, I don't want God to change my life. I don't want him to change me. But just like a relationship, out of love is why we change. It's out of love. It's why we do what we do. It's not because of religion. It's not what we just say. But it's because of our love for God is why we act the way that we act. And we, we know this to be true. When Jesus is Lord, we apply what he says. If, we, if God is truly Lord of your life, you will apply what he says in his word. And as Christ followers, we have to live a life and an example to other people. And so often when we say things, okay, they say they're a Christian. They say this, they're saying that. And it sounds like they're a Christ follower. It sounds like they love God, but their actions don't line up with what they say. And it's so difficult because so often you might meet a Christian, but they don't act like a Christian. And then in your head, it's like, well, they're saying this, but they're actually doing that. And I thought that Christians weren't supposed to do that. And we're not perfect. We're not saying Christians are perfect. But when Jesus is Lord, we apply, we try our best to apply what Jesus says. So Jesus has started with his challenge in verse 46. And Paul goes on in verse 47. Sorry, this is in Luke's gospel. So Luke is writing, Luke is following Jesus and he's writing this account. So he's following Jesus around. So he's writing it down. So we have this letter now. So this is everything that Jesus says that Luke has recorded. So in verse 47, it says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. So everyone who comes, everyone who hears, and puts our words into practice. I want you to know today that everyone can come to Jesus. Maybe you've disqualified yourself. Maybe you've said, I'm not good enough. I've done this. I've cursed God. I don't know anything about God. The encouragement today is that everyone can come to Jesus. And that includes you. As I've said that phrase, you're saying, but not me. So I want you to know today, everyone can come to Jesus. 
you might not have any idea. This might be your first week ever hearing a message like this about how much Jesus loves you. You can come to Jesus. Maybe you were close to Jesus and you were full of faith and life took its toll on you and now you just feel empty and you've had nothing to do with God. You can come to Jesus. If you're on fire for him and you love him deeply and you're full of faith, you can come to him also. Jesus is perfect. And all of us don't reach that mark. So all of us are welcome to come to Jesus. And today, everyone can hear what Jesus has to say. Today, you are hearing what God says about you. So everyone can come, everyone can hear, but not everyone will put it into practice. And life gets in the way, life is busy. And sometimes we have this, we're going to leave church today and I'm going to put that into practice. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And life does get busy. But who's going to put his word into practice? And it's this idea of this language that we use called fan, being a fan versus a follower. I'm a fan of Manchester United Football Club. I heard people laugh. And yes, that is the right reaction because right now, they are terrible. They are not great at all. But I'm a fan because I keep tabs on them, so I'll find out maybe if they're playing, and I'll keep up with them, and I know roughly where they are in the table. And if they're on TV and they're, it's in front of me, I'll probably watch it, and I know some of the players and X, Y, and Z. So I'm a fan. I like them. I grew up supporting them. But I have a friend who is a follower of Manchester United. He has a season ticket. He's invested in that. He goes to the home matches. He goes to the away matches. Even when we play in Europe and you go to some tiny country in Europe, he goes to that country and he'll support it. He's got all the kits. He's got all the tracksuits. He knows the manager's philosophy. He knows who's gone out on loan. He knows who we're going to buy. He knows what the manager is thinking. And he sings all the songs. He sits in the crowd with all the ultras and sings at the top of his voice. He is a follower. And I'm just a fan. And there's a massive difference. I just like them from afar. Not really infested. I'm just sort of, yeah, okay, I like them. But he's a follower. He will go to wherever they are playing and watch them. And what, is, what about you and your faith? Are you a fan or are you a follower? Because when Jesus was on earth, he had a lot of fans. People came to him. And I was like, isn't that guy incredible? Isn't it amazing? I got healed. I seen miracles. He'd done all these incredible things. But then they left and didn't apply what he said. But Jesus also had followers who followed him to the ends of the earth, followed him anywhere he went, even to the point of death. These people followed him. So are you a fan today or are you a follower? Luke goes on in verse 48. And this story is about two builders. So he's talking about the people who listen and apply and the people who listen and don't apply. So he says, They are like a man building a house who has dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. So we see this: these two people, one of them built this house. They dug deep down. They laid the foundation on the rock. The floods came and it didn't shape because it was well built. So this is the man who not only did he hear, but he put it into practice. 
So how we see that building, that house unfold, is how we can live when we apply the word. The man who built the house deep laid the, found, the right foundation and knew that it would last. So these two houses have been built and he's done the hard work. He's dug the foundations. He's dug down deep so that the, the house would have something solid to sit on top of. And it was described as being well built. Because if you're an architect or you know anything about houses, yes, the house can look amazing. And it's designed and maybe you love getting to design your house and design this room and I'll put this carpet down here and I'll put this floor in and it'll look amazing. But none of it is worthwhile if it's not well built. Maybe you know, oh, the house wasn't well built. This leaks and this door's hanging off the hinges and X, Y, and Z. And we can try and make it look nice with all the pictures and the, the 20 pillows that we put on the sofa and the bed. and We can try and hide it, but we all know the pain of a house that's not well built. So we see that this house was well built. And then Luke goes on to explain the other house in verse 49. He says, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. So this is the other camp everyone that was listening, so you'd heard and applied and heard and didn't practice. It's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And Jesus is using this story because at the time in Palestine, there was a lot of hills and the ground, it, when it rained, all the water came into the Jordan River. The Jordan River would then rise and flood. So they've seen this time and time again. Okay, when the waters come, the torrents rise. And they see, they've seen this before, that where there was houses is now rubble. And where there was houses on foundations, they are the ones that are standing. So just imagine the Liffey River. It was raining and it just floods over. We know what it's like to have rain in Ireland because we get it over 300 days a year. So as Jesus was telling this story, they understand it because they've seen it time and time again. The rains came, the floods lifted. So it's not a make-believe story, but he's using an analogy that they would all understand. They've seen it before. The winds come, the rains come, and houses just disappear. So this is what happened. So the man who doesn't put into practice God's word is like a man who built a house without foundations. Because storms will come, but storms don't reveal what you built, rather how it's built. So the houses might have looked the same. The one without the foundation might have even looked better. They might have had better windows. They might have had triple glazing. It might have looked great on the outside. They might have had solar panels on the top. They might have had the nice front door with the special doorbell. And everything was, and it might have looked incredible. But when the storms came, it doesn't matter what was built, but it actually revealed how it was built. It was all about the foundation when the storms came. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're trying to build your life and make it look better than everyone else's. I've got the car. I've got the good job. I've got the money coming in. And on the outside, life looks perfect. But storms always come. So it's not, and it's going to reveal not what you've built. You might have built a great house for your family, a great income for, and every, all these things, it might be great. But when storm comes, it's going to reveal how it was built. 
Was it built on lies and manipulation and coercion? And what is it built on? So the storm revealed not what was built, but how it was built. And hearing God's word is not enough for a foundation. Applying the word is essential. So you might be here today and just listening, you might think, I'm good. I've got life sorted. I've listened to a Christian message. I've went to church. I've ticked that box. I am good. But actually, the essential part is applying the word. We've seen this in the story. They both heard it. One person built his house on the rock, which signifies that they put it in the practice, and the other person had no foundation because they didn't practice it. So hearing God's word is not enough for a foundation. Applying it is essential. That is the challenge. How do we apply God's word? And the story is entitled, The Wise Builder versus the foolish builder. The wise builder took time. He dug down. He built the foundation. He worked hard. And even all that boring stuff that goes in underground, he put in the hard work. But the foolish person, he had his own plan. Maybe he wanted to look impressive. Maybe he just wanted to get it done quickly. And maybe, as Frank Renatra said, I did it my way. He had his plan. He got his house the way he wanted it. He did it his way. And maybe that's your plan in life. I'm self-made. I did it my way. I didn't need help. I'm a self-made businessman. I'm a self-made millionaire. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I did it my way. But we don't want to listen to advice. We don't want to apply God's word. And we're full of pride saying, I'm self made because I did it my way. And Jesus calls it the wise versus the foolish. And I want to encourage you today, we need to have God's word in us because storms are inevitable. If you are over seven years old, you will know hard times come. And probably even before that, as a child, everyone knows storms come your way. Life is not easy. So we need to have God's word in us because storms are inevitable. When we have God's word in us, we are well built. We're able to withstand the storms that are coming. So the question that I want to answer as we're closing, how do we become wise and build our lives on God's word? We all want to be wise. We all want to be known as a wise person. We don't want to be the fool. So how do we do that? Three things, three ways that we can do that. First, is practice. We heard it time and time again through this story that it was about the man that put it into practice. The definition of practice is the habitual way of doing something. So we all have habits. So how do we build uh, God's word into our lives and become wise? We create a habit of getting into God's word. We find a time, we find a place that works for you and get into God's word. We we have a habitual way of getting in to God's word. So it's not just arriving on a Sunday and that's my thing. Maybe we have people in church that leave their, one of their Bibles in the car because they get to work early and they read through the Bible in the car. Maybe you get the bus. Maybe that's your rhythm of doing it. What's your habit? How are you getting in to your word? And you know this, even if you're not a Christ follower and don't want anything to do with God's word, having healthy habits in your life makes you healthy. It helps you make wise decisions. 
So take God out of it, take God's word out of it, take all of Christianity out of it. To have healthy habits makes you a wise person. It doesn't make you a fool. But we believe when we add God into the equation, when we add God's word into the equation, that our life is full. God gives us life and life to the full. And we have the security and all the love and joy of God in our lives. So yes, we can make wise decisions with faith or without faith, but life is better with God in it. Talk to any Christian that you know, life is better with God. Because we have that firm foundation. When life comes against us, we have a firm foundation and his name is Jesus. So we have to have healthy habits to be wise and to have God's word in us. But then we also need to put into practice God's word. We don't just talk it, we walk it. We've heard that saying, don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And one way in Lighthouse that we encourage people to read the Bible is through a method called SOAP. And this is just one method of many, but this is how we encourage our church to read the Bible. So SOAP, S-O-A-P, stands for Scripture. So we read a verse, we read a passage, we read a chapter in the Bible, and then we observe, so we look, okay, what is, ha- what is happening in this passage? What is this story? What is it trying to say to us? So you're observing, you're reading it, you're trying to understand it. And then there's this important part called application. So we read it, okay, right? We've understood it, we've observed it. Now, what am I going to do with what I've just read? How am I going to put it into practice in my life? And then we finish off with prayer. So this is how we encourage people to read their Bible. Why? Because we need to put it into practice. So we could put it like this. This is listening. This is hearing. This is understanding it. This is putting it into practice, and this is wrapping, tying it all together. So this is just one method of doing it. This is a way we encourage our church to do it, because it's a great way to practice. So it's a good routine, okay? Just do one, two, three, four. Okay, I can do that. And then you get into that habit, but then you also get into the habit of putting it in to practice. So the first thing we can do is put it in to practice. The second thing we can do is perseverance. Don't quit when it gets tough. Don't be a quitter. My wife has a tattoo. If you don't quit, you win. So often people just give up when it gets tough. Maybe you've tried to learn an instrument and you're like, I want to rock out on the drums like Diego. I want to be able to do the fills and hit the cymbals and all, all the fun things that included in drums. But then you start and all you do is... And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like good music. And then you have to do your one, two, one, two, one, two. And then your paradiddles. And then you've got your four on the floor. And it's really boring at the start because you're like, I want to be able to do the fills. And I want to be able to do this. And I want to be able to do that. But before you get there, you quit. Or you hear someone on the guitar and you're like, this is harder than it looks. Maybe it's an instrument. Maybe it was a skill that you tried to learn. Whatever it may be, it's a job. Have you quit because it's got difficult? And it's the same with getting into God's word. Maybe you've tried before. Maybe you've tried this thing called faith, but when it got tough, you gave up. Maybe you didn't have a support system around you. Maybe you didn't have someone to answer those questions. 
Hopefully you can find that in Lighthouse. We have groups for you. We have people that are on the journey with you. But don't quit when it's tough. Because we know if we get through all the, the boring stuff of the practice and the boring stuff of getting our fingers in the right place, if we don't quit, then we can play all the fills. Then we can play all the guitar solos. Then we can perform that skill. Then we can do this with languages. Whatever that skill may be, we know what it's like to give up because we don't want to put the practice in. So the encouragement and the challenge for you today is don't give up. Find a daily rhythm. And finding a daily rhythm for getting into God's Word helps you persevere. It's a bit like starting a diet. We don't want to go all in, and then we can't sustain that diet. We know what it's like to run hard at a diet, and then it's like, oh, I'm fed up with that now. I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll go back to how I was eating. But how we do a good diet is finding something that can be repeated day after day after day after day. So we're not getting rid of 1,500 calories a day, but it's that daily two, three, four, five hundred calories, day after day after day after day. Because you need to find a rhythm that works. There's no point under-eating one day and then overeating the next day, and it's just back and forth, back and forth. So it's like the Word. You need to find a daily rhythm. You can read the Word and get into the Word, and, oh, yes, that was a great day. But then you, don't have, you have to wait to next month to find that time that you've tried to carve out to make that rhythm. So find a daily rhythm that works for you. It might be in the car. It might be on the bus. It might be in the morning. I'm a night person. So if I try and read my Bible in the morning, it might happen once. It might happen twice. But it's not going to be something that I'm going to do going forward because I'm a night person. So my rhythm is reading it at night. Maybe you are a morning person and that is your rhythm. Maybe you have just haven't found the right rhythm. Maybe you're a night person and you're trying to wake up at 6 a.m., read your Bible before you get to work, and then you're like, oh, I can't keep going with this. Just find a rhythm, a daily rhythm that works for you, and that builds into your perseverance. So we've got practice with perseverance and with permanence. We see that the house that stood was permanent. It was well-built. It had a good foundation. When we do these things, when we put it into practice, when we persevere, it will become second nature. Like learning the drums, I learned and I had to look and I had to, okay, want to, 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 to. but now, like, I can close my eyes and instinctively know where the drums are. I don't need to be thinking about the music. I can just feel it and now I can go, okay, that's how I play. And that's where the permanence comes in. When we get into God's Word and we can persevere and we put it into practice, it becomes second nature. God has begun to change our heart and change our life. But that only comes through putting it into practice and putting it and being permanent in it and persevering in it. And not to be easily distracted. Maybe you're like me and you've self-diagnosed yourself with ADHD and you're like, you're just all over the time and you're trying to but the more you get into it, the more you can focus on it. And sometimes you know how hard it is. And as parents, it's hard to find time even to just close the bathroom door. It's hard to find space sometimes. But try and find somewhere that you're not easily distracted. So maybe you arrive home from work and you sit in the car for five minutes. 
before you go into the chaos of what is happening behind that door. Or maybe you spend a little bit longer in the, the bathroom, but actually you're just sitting reading your Bible. Or what is it that, where can you find a place that you're not easily distracted? But the main point of everything that I want to say today is this. For the Word to be in us, we need to be in the Word. For the Word to be in us, we need to be in the Word. How can we get the Word in us? Get the Word. I'm going to put up the QR code again. Get the Word. Get the Bible. Download the Bible. If you scan the QR code, that will send you to the Bible app and help you download it. If you need a paper Bible, ask one of our Next Steps team and we will look into getting a Bible for you. But the first thing is just get the Word. The second thing is make a plan. How am I going to put it into practice? How am I going to persevere? How am I going to aim for permanence? What is your plan? Okay, my plan is I'm going to read the Bible for five minutes before I go to bed tonight. I'm going to read it for five minutes on the bus. I'm going to do this before I go into work. I'm going to do this before I get into the house. Or even on the Bible app, there's plans that help you read the Bible. Or a plan of soap, scripture observation, application, prayer. That's a plan that you can take. So get the word, make a plan, and join a group. This helps you with permanence and perseverance because you can be struggling, but if you join one of our connect groups, they're there to encourage you. They're there to push you when when you need it. They're there to give you advice. They're there to push you and fill you up with faith. So put it into practice. Get the word. How do we persevere? We make a plan. How do we create permanence? We join a group because we get to do life together. And as the band come up, I'm finishing with this last story. And there's a picture. And in 2018, there was a hurricane called Michael. And it came across Mexico Beach in Florida. And we see devastation everywhere. All these houses didn't survive. And the news took this photo of this house right in the middle and it looked like nothing had happened. But what, why is this house standing and there's devastation for miles and miles? This is right on the seafront and they're all wrecked. But why is this one standing? This is what they said in the news article. It said at every point from pilings to the roof and everything in between, when it came time to make a decision about what level of material or what to use, we didn't pay attention to the code. Because there were so many hurricanes, they were like, it needs to be this standard, it needs to be this code. But they said, we went above and beyond the code. And we asked the question, what would survive the big one? And we consistently tried to build for that. Have you asked yourself the question, what would survive the big one? How deep do I need to go? How deep does my foundations need to go for me to survive a big storm? Will you survive a storm in life? Is your life built on a solid foundation or not? For the Word to be in us, we need to be in the Word. Every decision that they made, they went above and beyond the code, but that came with a cost. It said the house cost nearly double what any other house around cost. And you're like, "I I don't know about the cost. But the house was well built. Because they built it well, they thought about every decision. 
They built a deeper foundation than every other house. They put more secure um, building materials in, ended up costing double. But the house survived the big storm. So if you're in here today and you're thinking, I want my life to survive a big storm. Imagine, imagine a storm comes your way and you survive it. And you can talk to Christian after Christian after Christian. How did you get through that time in life? How could you possibly get through losing that family member? How did you possibly get through everything in your life crashing down around you? Time and time and time again, the reason, the answer will be, because God is my firm foundation. I can survive any storm, but there's a cost. They had to, in this story, they had to dig deep down. They had to build a foundation. It took longer to build than the other house. This house that we looked at cost more. It took them longer, but it withstood the storm. As Natty said, as we were singing, maybe you're fed up of trying to do life your way. Yes, Frank Yonatra can sing a great song, I Did It My Way, but I've tried that in life and it's not working out. So today, I want to encourage you, put your foundation in Him. Put it into practice. Put God's Word, to be in the Word, you need God's Word in you. Put it into practice. Persevere create permanence and how do we do that get the word ask one of our next steps teams can I get a bible download the bible app come up with a plan okay I'm going to soap this is my rhythm and I'm going to join a group to help me grow in my faith so today our prayer for you is that you would be faithful that you would be full of faith and as we look at this series for the next few weeks that you will be encouraged to build your foundation on him So at the end of this series, we can have story after story after story of how people faced the storm, but because they were found in God, they survived the big one. They survived the storm.